that's the tallest building in town. The library, because it has the most stores. We didn't own a car, so we would go to the library with a shopping cart and fill um, the shopping cart with our books. I was probably about six or seven, and my mom took me to our local library for a story time. I went with my dad every Saturday morning. I remember coming here like since we moved here when I was five, and every summer we do the summer reading program. As the years have gone by, you begin to realize how much you know, interesting stuff the library has to offer besides books. When I was growing up, my aunt would always take me to the library. I was in third grade, and then I loved the library, the Carnegie Library. I went to the story times that were at the library. The librarian was my dad. Hey, Steve. Hey, Shauna. Welcome to <laughs> welcome back to. The tallest building in town. Here we are. I know. It's been like, I feel like it's been a really long time since we've done one of these, but it's really only been a month. I know. We're talking today, the the topic that we have isn't the topic that we started with. Right. I don't want to get too much into it, but we had a completely different show planned. Mm -hmm. And then all of our interviews fell through. Yeah. Uh, And then we only had half the time to get stuff together for the next month's episode. (laughs) So that was fun. Yeah. (laughs) But it worked out. Yeah, it, it definitely worked, did. It really worked out. And it was timely. And right. so this month we want to do an introduction to inclusive services in public libraries in Wisconsin. And the reason behind that actually is because of a inclusive services institute that I attended last week. Yeah, it was a week. Yeah. It was last week. Yeah. And there's a story here of how Wisconsin public libraries are intentionally working to make services within public libraries more inclusive. And with that is a document that both you and I read. Yes. And I'm going to explain what this document is and how it came to be really quick. Sure. As quick as quick as I can. Yeah. <laughs> so how it came to be was actually a two-year conversation, if you can believe it. I can believe it. Things move pretty slowly. (laughs) So librarians were like, we know we're supposed to be doing this work, uh, making libraries open and welcome for all. And uh, but it wasn't clear on how we were doing it. And so they had this conversation with people from there was representation from every library system there. Hmm. And they want to talk about, you know, whose job is it to make this happen? Because we have like library consultants and librarians whose job descriptions include working on making services more inclusive. And we offer various trainings sometimes like you and I, we went to a YWCA racial justice equity training. So those things exist, but it hasn't felt clear or solid in Wisconsin library land, um, specifically in public libraries, where and how the work should be done. Hmm. So it's not like we have a consultant dedicated to these issues for every system, for example. Right, right. And so they wanted to really hone in and figure this out. Yeah, and and we should mention there's over 300 libraries in Wisconsin. Yeah, there's like 320, And some are really, really tiny with like one part-time person that runs the whole thing and other ones are very big like milwaukee public has right. you know many branches and Madison. so right so trying to figure out you know one statement for everybody you know like they're, they're not some of the libraries just just don't have time or staff to come up with these ideas on their own exactly which is why we do have state and regional support that can then trickle down to our local level 
And so what happened is there was an inclusive services retreat in February of 2017 with state and regional library folks. And so they drafted a document called What Does It Mean to Be Inclusive? A Statement from the Division of Libraries and Technology. <laughs> and they drafted this document and it was approved in May of last year, 2017, mm. and dispersed. Yeah, and I've this even, is the first time I've ever seen it. This is the first time the Steve way. has ever seen it, and <laughs> I've read it before and passed it at conferences, but every time that I read it, I do find a new part in it that speaks to me, or a, it's a good document to read at different points in your work, I've found. But anyway, so the point of it, too, is partly to justify actions that we do want to take within our state, in our work, you know, as library folks, to clarify what we're doing and really whose job is it. And so with someone present from each system, they collectively created this. So it's answering the question, what does inclusive services mean and how is it related to chapter 43? Right. Which so, is. Yeah. So chapter 43, for those of you who don't know, is uh, the chapter in the Wisconsin state statutes that governs how libraries should be run in the state. I don't want to get too much into the weeds, but uh, I mean, it's fascinating from a library employee standpoint, and I would think from a taxpayer standpoint, it's not something that we think about very often as, oh, if we have libraries, we know they're supported by tax dollars funding, but there's actually state rules built into the Wisconsin statutes that say, you know, here's what you have to do to, for example, maintain a status in your library system. You know, you have to have a certain number of items on your shelf. You have to be open a certain number of hours. You have to have certain staff members with certain qualifications, things like that. So this document was created as a foundation for the work that we want to do in public libraries so that we understand as professionals exactly what we're talking about and what we want to do. You know, everyone should be doing this work, we think, but we need to be organized right? and all on the same page. We should then take it to the next level and have an inclusive services institute. It, it was 16 librarians, people representing, again, each system within our state. Okay. I represented the South Central Library System. And the goal is to make a toolkit, and we broke up in the end into teams, and over the summer we're going to work on it, and then we're going to come back and reconvene in August for three more days to finish the toolkit, and then we're going to draft it up and send it out into library land and see what happens. We're creating a resource for public library directors, staff, and library boards. Right to foster inclusive library environments where everyone is safe, welcomed, and respected. Hmm. That's good. That's the goal. So you want to go through this statement a little bit? Wisconsin Public Libraries are places where everyone should feel safe, welcomed, and respected in experiences such as, but not limited to, and then it has a list of bullet points of different experiences that you might have in the library and how that's related to being inclusive. Exactly. So, I mean, right off the bat, it starts off with something that I never really considered, which is arrival at the building. Mm. You know, like, what? Wh how do people get into your building? You know, do you have you know, access for wheelchairs and for, you know, various uh, types of mobility. What, yeah, what, what sort of doors do you have? Not every library has 
accessibility that way. Right, right. Or even doors that are like wide enough to accommodate wheelchairs and things. Exactly. I mean, it's a barrier. Yeah. Well, who, you know, maybe don't feel like, oh, like when they think of coming to the library, now they have to think about all the things they have to go through in order to just get in the door. Literally, yeah. Yeah. What I think about when I look at this document and what I also thought about at the Inclusive Services Institute was training staff. And so like on this document, it says interactions with library staff, Mm. body language, tone, diversity of library staff, et cetera. And if we were to take part of this document into account, we would be making sure the training of our staff included things like this, you know, not just how do you help somebody use the catalog, but also let's talk about body language and tone of voice and things like that when you interact with patrons. We just kind of assume that that if you're smiling and everything, (laughs) like you just get, you get it. You know, we make a lot of assumptions about a person when they come in to work into a library, even if they've already worked in libraries before, all the way from people who are administrators to those who shelve books. It's really complex, you know, like, well, where where do we even start? That's Um, what we said at the Institute. Right, which is one of the things that you all are trying to help us figure out, right? We're breaking it down into categories and organizing so that we can make it easier for folks to decide what they can work on, you know, what they have the means to work on. Yeah. But hopefully everything over time, (laughs) like these are the kinds of things that should be, I feel, within our mission and vision statements if possible, you know, but specifically in staff training and also professional development for those who are already hired or working. Yeah. Which is big. It is. One that I want to just, I want to talk about because where it says intersections with library policies, um, as far as inclusive services go, and then... It talks about getting a library card, using a computer, paying a fine. Mm -hmm. That's kind of one of the things that we thought about as we changed our fine policy here at the Sun Prairie Library. Because in order to be inclusive, you know, that means welcoming people back to the library who maybe haven't been there for a long time because they had this giant fine, you know. And I mean, if you don't work in a library, then I think you probably wouldn't think that it's as big of a problem as it is. But I mean, every single day we see people coming in, you know, they're... They need to use a computer because that's the only way that you can apply for a job, but they haven't been in the library for years because they have a fine. Mm-hmm. And they oftentimes are really ashamed about that, you know, and it could be a fine, you know, from like six years ago when they were a teenager. So, I mean, part of the reason that we got rid of fines on most of our items was just so we, you know, don't have to deal with that at all. And we can focus on just you know helping people get what they need and not having to again put up that barrier between us and them and there's just a gentleman in on a couple days ago who was returning some books for someone who'd been hospitalized suddenly and you know was expecting to pay all these fines so i was just like no no we don't have we don't actually have fines on our books it's all good you know i mean people have literally broken down in tears at the front desk because Mm -hmm. they're so happy Mm. You know, because otherwise they were like, well, you know, how am I going to pay this? Fine. Well, just, you know, bring your stuff back and, you know, we're all good. Yeah. So we've created a bridge instead of a barrier. Right. So at the Inclusive Services Institute, I met a marvelous librarian named Irma, who's the director at Toma Public Library. 
in Toma, Wisconsin. And Toma has a population that's less than 10,000. And so she agreed to be interviewed on this topic. And I went and visited their beautiful library. And now we're friends. And it feels really good making these connections with people that you, I wouldn't have otherwise been able to meet. And we discussed kind of a thinking back on the Institute and what we learned there and what we, what's been on our minds since we were there. And then she was gracious enough to answer some questions I had that related to this topic. So now we're going to hear from Irma and what her story and journey has been in library land. Okay. My name is Irma Keller. I grew up in Hammond, Indiana, and that's a town about 30 miles or so from Chicago. And I have been working in libraries, at least at this library, for almost 21 years. Prior to that, I worked at a law library in Anchorage. I moved to Toma in 1990, 1993. I had moved here because my husband at the time got a job with the, the Ho-Chunk tribe. He is Ho-Chunk. Mm-hmm. So he got a job and I did not work. I stayed home with my son. Then out of the blue, there came a posting for a job at this library. So when I, when I saw that opening, I came and I got hired and it was part-time. And I was putting books away and working evenings and another woman came on as the director. And when she left, she recommended me to take her place and the library board was happy to do so or they decided that would be a good thing for the community. And I got the job as the director and I have been the director for 10 years. When I got the job as the director, I had a master's in political science. So when I got the job, it was with the knowledge that I would need to get the master's in library science. And I did get the master's going through the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. I did the online program. So that's how I ended up working in libraries, even though I've always loved libraries. So Hmm. I kind of was my mission to be here. Being the director in this library has had some challenges. I am a Latina, Chicana woman. I am third generation. My family has been in this country for a long time. I stand out in my community because most of the people in this community don't look like me. So I'll find that when people come in and are looking for the director, they look right past me to whoever's at the desk with me because they don't think that someone like me could be the director. It's especially telling if there's a man. So there is that piece of sexism involved there where the assumption is that the man is the director. And then if it's not the man, then it's the person. Unfortunately, it's it's going to be somebody who's not brown. So rather than getting angry about it, I just view it as a learning opportunity to I'll say, no, I'm the director, and just kind of watch the look on their face when they realize, oh, it's her. So it is a learning opportunity. I feel like I've been put here to not only run a wonderful library, but also to hopefully educate people and let them know that just because we don't look alike doesn't mean that I'm lacking. Talking about libraries as agents of social change. 
And when I walked away from that institute that we went to, the Inclusivity Institute, I just had such, I had a feeling of hope. At the institute, we were talking about being welcoming. And I think that as a society, we need to provide a place for people of every aspect of life to be able to come and to be welcome. And where is that going to happen? Where exactly is that going to happen? Unfortunately, many churches have turned people off. I'd like to say not intentionally, but they have. So I think that might have been where before people might have felt welcome. And I'm not saying people don't feel welcome at church. I am a daily mass going person and I feel very welcome there. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that other people are going to even want to come. Yeah. When you have a place like a library, which shouldn't have any type of judgment going on, that can be a place where people can come and be social, find information, feel welcome. And that's what the Institute was trying to accomplish, Mm -hmm. is for us as librarians to say, this might be a last resort, but you have a place to come. You can come here and you're not going to be judged. You're going to be welcomed. And as a society, that can help us to grow or to be kind. And, And we need places for people to feel as if they belong. How do you feel like it's changed or has it changed over time with serving people in this community? Mm-hmm. We're about nine, ninety five hundred. Well, I'd like to say, and I'm going to take full credit for this, is when I came on board as a director, my whole thing was making sure that people were welcome regardless of social status. And I think that the director before me felt the same way, but I think I've been very vocal about it and trying to make sure that the staff, especially in the children's area, making sure that those parents know that they are welcome here and they are wanted here. I was, we, when I grew up, we didn't have a lot of resources at all. In fact, in my family, I spoke, I grew up speaking Spanish, so we didn't speak English until we went to school. And once we went to school and we learned English, I don't know how it happened that we found the library, but we were voracious readers. I was reading about things that I had never even heard of, people going on vacation and people inventing things, people doing things, people going to college. Nobody in my family had ever gone to college. And all of these things that could happen, lives that that were possible that I never would have even known of except for the library. The library actually changed my life in many ways. And I think to myself, there was this girl brought up in poverty we had enough, but we didn't have a lot of extra. But we, we were poor. And I think it, there was this girl, me, and I got a ticket to the world through the library. And if I hadn't had the library, I don't know where I'd be. Who knows? When you're trying to be more inclusive in your services, what does that look like to you or how does it feel? I think we need to be more. In fact, when I came back from the Institute, I said to the Children's Library, and I said, we need to get more LGBTQ. We need to have that, and we need to have that available, and we need to let people know that this is here. I actually think that being welcoming 
and being able to give the love is a process and it's not a process that everybody not everybody is is ready to do that and that's okay and I think that's probably more so what I do is model behavior and just let everybody who works here know that this is this is what we want to do and this is how we want to be and I'm very fortunate because I do have a, a staff that respects me and they I think they want to follow along and there's all sorts of facets to this. I'm, yeah. I'm learning. <laughs> We're all learning. <laughs> We're learning. When it comes to serving the community as as white people, it's hard sometimes for us to be inclusive in bringing folks in who we want to serve. And the process can take a long time. We have to be patient. We have to be so respectful. We always feel like we need to be, you know, very careful and and checking our white privilege that we have and i we should be taking on this work i mean it's a whole other conversation to talk about like hiring practices and having more people of color a diverse staff but when you're trying to deal with it now um this is something that we struggle with but are but we we want to struggle with i want to think that there are people on both sides of the of this question that want it to work And so when somebody who doesn't look like you sees that you are trying to make this work, then I would hope they would respond. I see you trying to make this work. And that makes me very happy. I just, I just, I want to cry because that just makes me. I cried a lot after the Institute. Did you? I did. It just makes me really happy because what you're saying is you're taking responsibility for your white privilege. And I think those of us who don't have the white privilege is be open to people saying, okay, uh, let's make this work. It's like you're coming from a place where you have this privilege and you're saying, okay, let me make this privilege work for all of us. Privilege that I didn't ask for and privilege that, okay, I'm aware of it. Let's, Let's make it work. I mean, we're striving to together at this institute that we originally went to to find a, a way to make a tool that can be applied to everyone. But the fact is, you're it's going to be different in every community, and that's what I was also curious about today. If there were things you thought of in your community that are specific when it does come to trying to be more inclusive in your services. If there are goals you have now, or maybe just something that's been on your mind for a while, or something that's bothered you, if you felt comfortable mentioning it. Because we have obviously so many in our community. Since this is such a small community, we don't get a lot of diversity. We don't. I think that the thing that I've identified that needs to happen, needs to be consistently happen, is we need to welcome people regardless of where they are socially, what their economic status is. That's one thing that I think we, since we don't have a lot of diversity, this seems to be the area that we need to be sure to let people know that they're welcome here. Um, We have a higher than average dropout rate for the state, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So we need to be sure. You're in high school? High school. We need to be sure that especially the little children, we want to make sure that everybody that comes here feels ownership. 
and we need to make sure that they know that this is a resource for them, that it belongs to them. When I speak to, and I don't get to speak to them very often anymore because it's other people do that, give them a little portion of my story, how the library changed my life, and mm-hmm. here I am. <laughs> and the other thing is I, I tell them not everybody reads at the same level. Not everybody does. And you know what? You can come and you can ask one of us if you're having problems reading not a big deal. There's books here that can help you to become a better reader. Trying to bridge that gap and say, we are here for you and we can help you to become a better reader because if you could become a better reader, then you can do better at school and then you can decide what kind of job you want and Mm -hmm. maybe you can be the library director someday. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. I think that I'm so excited about libraries. I've said it before, agents of social change. Mm -hmm. If I could get here, if I could find success, being this little brown girl who, who was raised near poverty, if I could become successful dealing with librarians that maybe didn't want me around, I made it. Imagine what that little poor person could do now with librarians that want them around, that are welcoming. The sky's the limit. So one of the one of the things about this document, you know, you mentioned white privilege in your interview with Irma, um, and something that you told me about when you were looking at this uh, inclusive services statement. Uh, they have a list of dimensions of identity is what it is what it says and it talks about you know people's age their citizenship their literacy level and it's got this whole list of things but it it never mentions race or ethnicity right which is why it's in the midst of being edited as we speak and it will be available soon in its updated version yeah i think steve what you and i've talked about because of who we are and our identities and our backgrounds part of what's behind inclusive services is this big topic of white privilege and that's that's you and i (laughs) we we are very visible in our in our culture and in our libraries white privilege is a big topic again yeah uh, there's a lot of big topics when it comes to this uh which is why it's our intro (laughs) and complicated because people oftentimes don't, you know, as soon as they hear the phrase, they, they just shut off like they don't want to hear anymore. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, we would just hire more people that just weren't white. Right. <laughs> well, and that's what, that's and what then, you know, one of the things on this inclusive services statement inter- is interaction with library staff, like you said. But one of the things listed in here is, is, is the, the diversity of library staff. You know, our particular library here in Sun Prairie is not, well, I mean, I guess we're tip- probably typical of, Wisconsin. Wisconsin as a whole. Um, it's a huge issue in our profession. Right. But it's not typical of our users. Exactly. You know? So we, the goal is that library staff would reflect library users, you know, so that everyone is included in conversation on how, how to make things better for the community. Right. And so we have to unpack that over and over again right. when we consider what we're doing as public library workers right. and how are how are we serving 
everyone's needs because we're not so we have to check do check-ins with ourselves as much as possible to remember who is in on this conversation yeah and and obviously we're right now having a conversation between two white people right and there's not anyone else included in our conversation yeah Um, so we have our perspective and that's i guess that's all we can talk about is our perspective of of this issue which isn't it's not the complete picture the toolkit that we create to try and take this issue to the next level is so that librarians better understand how to reach out to their communities and have conversations with people in various communities and make sure that their voices are within the policies they're making, bringing those people in. How do you do that? Some people really don't know. Yeah. And so we wanna make sure that it's clear on how, cause it's possible. Right. But a lot of people just don't practice it or they don't talk about it. Right. It's hard, but we can we can do this with um, an open mind and with with kindness and respect. 